your daily dose of debate, breaking news, and uncensored views. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. Things are happening all around the world that may impact your life, that may impact the security of our country, that may impact the health and well-being of the United States of America. Uh, first of all, of course, tonight is the big night for the Republican debate where eight of the people who are trying to replace Joe Biden with a more vigorous, more conservative, more Republican leadership, they are getting together in Milwaukee. What kind of questions should they get? What kind of questions will they get? We'll give you a chance to call in and try to place some of those questions, reform some of those questions. But uh, today there is a uh, upstaging to some extent of the big events in the American political scene in terms of the international scene and with the death apparently, maybe, could be, hasn't been verified yet, but the death of one of the most important and brutal leaders in Russia, Yevgeny Prigozhin, the head of the Wagner Group, the originator of the Wagner Group, which basically took uh, a lot of people out of Russian jails. And these are, uh, these are bad guys and tough guys and mobilized them into a fighting force that was spectacularly brutal in Ukraine. Apparently, it is being reported that uh, 10 people were killed in a private jet crash north of Moscow and the Russian Civil Aviation Authority, which is under Putin's control, of course, said that Yevgeny Prigozhin was on the passenger list. Seven passengers and three crew were on board the Embraer aircraft, which was en route from uh, Moscow to St. Petersburg, according to the TASS news agency. Uh, MSNBC reports while Prigozhin's death has not been confirmed, the Wagner Group's own social media have acknowledged the crash and have not made any uh, claims about his safety. Now, this despite the fact that there are some reports that the dead man is a Prigozhin double. It's not the real Prigozhin. What is the story here? Prigozhin, you may remember, with the Wagner Group, was marching toward Moscow with uh, literally thousands of his troops. He commands about 50,000 troops uh, who are part of this Wagner Group. They're mercenaries. They get paid for this. But uh, the, the idea is that just two months ago, there was a mutiny against Putin's rule, and uh, Prigozhin apparently thought better of it before he got to Moscow. But on his way there, he wasn't stopped by the Russian army at all. And in fact, he was cheered by the Russian populace, particularly in the uh, area of Rostov, which is a city between Moscow and where he was marching back from Ukraine. Uh, Russia said uh, that uh, actually... The official statement has nothing to do with the plane being shot down uh, by 
anyone involved with Vladimir Putin, even though most international experts are saying that is probably what happened. We'll be speaking to Elizabeth Braw of the American Enterprise Institute uh, coming up on the Medved show to try to make some sense of this. Uh, Russia said three people were killed in a Ukrainian drone attack in the border region of Belgorod today. Uh, drone attacks have become an almost daily occurrence in the province, which is located just inside Russia and just uh, 49.7 miles from Ukraine's northeastern Kharkiv uh, region. Hours later, Russian President Putin, who was forced to stay home from a BRICS summit. Okay, what's the BRICS summit? Uh, BRICS was a concept that was established several years ago of basically the uh, a, a group of rising powers, five of them. BRICS stands for uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. And the BRICS summit is in Africa this time. Uh, Putin couldn't go there because there's an international warrant for his arrest. And uh, he tried to woo the gathering's leaders in absentia by blaming the West for his invasion of Ukraine in a virtual speech. I see. well, that's, that's what you hear from Vivek Ramaswamy. It's what you hear from Tucker Carlson. Uh, is that the position that uh, I know that President Trump has said that there would not be any war in Ukraine because he is the apple of Vladimir Putin's eye. Yeah, he said that. I'm the apple of his eye. And uh, uh, yesterday from The Guardian, they said uh, the Russian mercenary chief Yevgeny Prigozhin has posted his first video address since leading a short-lived rebellion in Russia, appearing in a clip possibly shot in Africa on Telegram channels affiliated with the Wagner Group. A person who appears to be the 62-year-old mercenary leader is seen in the video standing in a desert area in a camouflage uh, suit and with a rifle in his hands. Well, that's the way he usually presents himself. In the distance, there are more armed men and a pickup truck. There's also this um, message on X today, uh, that's Twitter, and it's from uh, Anton Gershenko, that's a Ukrainian patriot, advisor to the Minister of Internal Affairs of Ukraine, founder of the Institute for the Future, and he's an official enemy of Russian propaganda. That's the way he defines himself. Uh, and he points out, does Anton Garashenko, today is exactly two months after Prigozhin's mutiny started. And another symbolism, 10 people died in today's crash. Exactly the same number of pilots died on board the Russian military uh, uh, IL-22 plane on the 24th of June that was hit by Wagner mercenaries. And uh, and then th we have this going on right here in the United States. Ten minutes ago, uh, residents were asked to stay away from Pittsburgh's Garfield neighborhood. 
this afternoon after hundreds of shots were fired in a standoff between police and one suspected shooter. It started at around 11.35 a.m. when Allegheny County Sheriff's deputies went to a house in the neighborhood to serve an eviction notice. That's when shots suddenly rang out. A shocking video appeared to show shots fired in rapid succession as hundreds of cops, including SWAT teams and officers in helicopters, responded. I've never heard bullets like this, one neighbor told the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Something you'd see in a movie. Other neighbors said they heard multiple exchanges of gunfire. This is over an attempted eviction. Uh, the police at one point apparently used a sledgehammer to break down the door of this house to remove this squatter. Uh, he didn't want to be removed and started shooting. The city of Pittsburgh police still have control of the active shooter scene until the incident is resolved, said the Pittsburgh Public Safety uh, tweeting out Wednesday afternoon. One responding sergeant suffered a minor injury but was not shot, officials said. Uh, but again, another another extraordinary and disturbing uh, moment in a country that has had plenty of them. Uh, a lot of them involving violence, some of them involving politics. We'll get to all of it on the Medved Show. Coming up, talking to Elizabeth Braw about what's really happening in Russia now. We'll be right back on the Medved Show. The Michael Medved Show. it's a good thing for people to be aware of what is going on right now in Russia because I know that people look at our politics and the prospect of another um, another uh, repeat of the Trump uh, versus Biden duel the duel of the uh, doddering duo and uh, again there's plenty to be upset about and uh, depressed about in the United States, including this this apparent showdown in Pittsburgh uh, involving hundreds of, of rounds. And uh, it's an unclear just how well-armed this individual is who was resisting, uh, was resisting his eviction from a place that he was staying in. Apparently, the place he was staying in had belonged at one point to a relative. The relative died, and then it was sold by the bank or somehow sold, and the squatter in the uh, uh, unit in the Garfield neighborhood of Pittsburgh was being required to leave in any event it's so it's a gunfight in Pittsburgh and at least one police officer has been wounded let us hope that uh, no one is is seriously hurt on any side but then you have the debate coming up tonight and then you have uh, this the BBC is reporting that uh, yes Yevgeny Prigozhin the Wagner mercenary group boss was on the passenger list of a, a private plane, a small plane, uh, that crashed. And was it shot down? 
there is widespread speculation that it was. All ten people on board the plane were killed, three crew members, seven passengers, according to preliminary information from the emergencies ministry. Eight bodies are said to have been recovered. So what happened to the other two bodies? Who knows? Gray Zone, a telegram channel believed to be linked to the Wagner Group, says Prigozhin's plane was shot down. However, the BBC has no confirmation that Prigozhin was definitely on the plane. Video footage verified by the BBC shows a plane falling from the sky in Kuzhenkino, uh, Russia. Uh, Prigozhin founded the Wagner Mercenary Group, which has been active in conflicts in Africa and the Middle East and fought alongside the Russians in Ukraine. Prigozhin led a short-lived mutiny against Russian President Vladimir Putin, mutiny that began exactly two months ago, and people are making much of this symbolism. Is it that Putin waited to get his revenge that he was due to take? He waited un until uh, that uh, anniversary, two-month anniversary of the mutiny? Who knows? Under a deal to end the mutiny, charges against Prigozhin were dropped, and he was offered a move to Belarus. Uh, he kept a low profile since then. When you say he offered, he was offered a move to Belarus. Belarus is not the kind of place. Uh, this is not like going to Monte Carlo or Florida or uh, uh, even Palm Springs. Uh, it's Belarus. Uh, and Belarus is, uh, of course, Russia's closest ally uh, among the former Soviet Socialist Republics and uh, run by a particularly brutal and, and lunk-headed uh, dictator named Lukashenko. Uh, meanwhile, speaking of um, other political crises, a former president, Donald Trump, is expected to surrender for arrest. And when you use a term like that, it makes it sound like he's a guy who's like this uh, squatter in Pittsburgh who's he was barricaded himself and is shooting at people who are coming to evict him. He's expected to surrender for arrest. He's going to show up. Uh, he's he's not going to be locked away. Uh, he will have a mugshot and other proceedings. This is going to happen tomorrow, uh, so that could upstage some of the impact of, of the debate. There are a number of candidates, including people like Nikki Haley and Chris Christie and Tim Scott, who are all hoping to make a big impression and get their sort of lagging campaigns going. Uh, but it's tougher when... Trump is going to upstage that by surrendering for arrest in Fulton County, Georgia. He, uh, he has denied all wrongdoing. Trump, who is running to return for the White House, is not attending tonight's Republican primary debate, during which he will likely be a frequent target for his opponents. Uh, most of his opponents, uh, with the exception of Asa Hutchinson and Chris Christie, are probably going to defend President Trump. Uh, they appear to be on his side. Uh, Trump has already agreed to a $200,000 bond with certain conditions, including limits on social media posts. How will that go? 
if he violates that agreement, judges may have limited enforcement options. Some of Trump's co-defendants, including Rudy Giuliani, uh, John Eastman, former law professor, and former Georgia GOP da uh, Chairman David Schaefer, have already surrendered. Okay. Uh, there is this from uh, just a month ago at Aspen. The director of the CIA, William Burns, uh, talked about the possibilities of Putin's revenge. Listen. Putin is someone who generally thinks that revenge is a dish best served cold. So he's going to try to settle the situation to the extent he can. But again, in my experience, Putin is the ultimate apostle of payback. So I would be surprised if Prigozhin escapes further retribution for this. So in that sense, the president's right. If I were Prigozhin, I wouldn't fire my food taster. Uh, what he was talking about was a surprisingly light-hearted remark that uh, President Biden made a month ago about Prigozhin uh, and uh, his future. Uh, listen. I think that uh, determining what happens to Prigozhin, what happens to Vilnius, I mean, excuse me, what happens when we discuss this in Vilnius is uh, God only knows what, uh, what he's likely uh, to do. Well, I'm not even sure, we're not even sure where he is and what relationship he has. If I were he, I'd be careful what I ate. I'd be uh, keeping my eye on my menu. But all kidding aside, I, I, who knows? Uh, and uh, yes, who knows? Maybe we know more. General Barry McCaffrey, who's been a guest on this show uh, in many circumstances, made a brief remark on MSNBC about an hour ago. Listen. Uh, we uh, will get to that, actually. Uh, we will be speaking to uh, Elizabeth Braw of the American Enterprise Institute. Uh, she is a particular expert on Russia and the current situation there. Does this indicate firmer control for Putin or more instability? We'll be speaking with Elizabeth Braw coming up. The Michael Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, it is a pleasure to welcome back to the show uh, Elizabeth Braw who is an expert, a senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute, AEI, where she focuses on defense against emerging national security challenges such as hybrid and gray zone threats such as uh, Russia and China. Uh, concurrently, she is a columnist with Foreign Policy where she writes on national security and the globalized economy and she is a member of the Preparedness Commission in the United Kingdom. Her most recent book, The Defender's Dilemma, Identifying and Deterring Gray Zone Aggression. Uh, as far as you can gather, Elizabeth, from the information that's coming in from so many different directions, uh, does it appear that uh, Yevgeny Prigozhin is indeed dead? 
And if so, does it appear that the plane was shot down? This was just not an accident. Yes, it does uh, indeed appear that that he is dead. Um, the, the 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 Russian authorities have said that his name was on the list of passengers of that plane. Now, uh, we have reached the point where we don't always try uh, trust what what Russian authorities say, but uh, this time. Uh, it does seem very credible. And on top of that, uh, not only was his name on the list, but there was also a reason for for the Russian government uh, or Vladimir Putin to, to try to get rid of him. It was an uneasy truce uh, between the two. Uh, it has been since, since uh, Prigozhin's coup, and it couldn't last, uh, the situation where he was around despite having tried to unseat Putin. And on top of that, um, there appears to have been nothing wrong with where the private jet he was on. Uh, commercial jets uh, in Russia are struggling to get the ones that fly Western, uh, the, the Western ones, uh, try, uh, they struggle to get uh, spare parts and maintenance and so forth. But he was not on a Western commercial jet. He was on a Brazilian-made private jet, and they have no problems getting spare parts and maintenance. So it, it, it's extremely unlikely. It was a technical issue. And uh, what about the possibility that has been suggested by some Russian sources that it was Ukraine that shut down uh, Prigozhin's plane? Well, we have learned throughout this war that uh, Russia blames most things on Ukraine. Uh, so uh, I think if any other, if any credible government blamed a serious incident on another country, we would at least uh, want to investigate it, but Russia is known for its complete fabrications of uh, any matter under the sun. So uh, if they uh, were to blame Ukraine as they have done, I, I don't think uh, that is any reason at all to suspect Ukraine. Uh, now, uh, Ukraine is, is certainly not a perfect country, uh, and we should, we should apply scrutiny to Ukraine, but in this case, um, uh, the Russian government, Russian uh, members of the Russian regime had a reason to get rid of Prigozhin, uh, and uh, and there was nothing wrong with the uh, with the plane he was on. Whereas Ukraine was in fact enjoying this power uh, power struggle within the Russian elite and was, I think, almost benefiting from it. So they uh, not only uh, do they seem unlikely to have uh, committed the, the, this this uh, uh, attack on the plane, but they also uh, had no reason to do so. Uh, does this uh, indicate? Uh, this development, uh, a, a greater strength for Vladimir Putin as the strong man of uh, Russia, or does this a demonstration of weakness and insecurity? That's an excellent question, Michael. And I think in the short term, it uh, demonstrates strength because now his most important adversary is gone. And it, importantly, there's the one adversary who was willing to act uh, move against him, that adversary is gone. But uh, as we know, an autocrat is is only strong in the short term uh, because precisely for the reason that he uh, that he well, what makes an autocrat strong is that he he doesn't listen to others. He decides most things. Uh, on his own or her own, for that reason, uh, uh, or with a with a small group of of uh, of uh, 
lieutenants, but that also means that others uh, become resentful because they never get to decide anything. It's always the autocrats, and that's why every autocracy, every dictatorship, almost every dictatorship ends badly because at some point those people will rise up against the dictator or the, the, uh, the autocrat and say, we, we want the voice. Even if they are relatively powerful, they'll say, we want the voice. We don't always want uh, need, we, we don't want to always kowtow to you. And I think that's where Putin is headed. There are many people who will, uh, who will lose their patience with, with always having him deciding everything. And uh, that, is, <laughs> that is the, the the, the 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 arc that every autocrat takes uh, with uh, revenge of of uh, some sort uh being an obvious motive for uh, putin bringing off this uh this killing of uh evgeny prigozhin is it conceivable that with uh some estimated 50,000 followers that some of them might uh uh, exact their own vengeance against Putin himself. Whether against Putin or whether against other parts of, of the Russian state, yes, those men do have a reason now to be very unhappy with Putin. Now, they may not have uh, uh, loved Prigozhin, but they were loyal to him. A very large number of them were very loyal to him. In fact, they were more loyal to him than many Russian soldiers are to the Russian armed forces. So it's almost like a, it was almost like a mafia-like loyalty within the Wagner group, and they will be very unhappy. Um, even the ones that are now on the payroll of the Russian armed forces was remember some. Some of them have joined the Russian armed forces after this sort of armistice uh, offer by by the Russian government. Even they will be very unhappy now, and but at the very least, will not do their best to help the Russian state uh, in any way. And in some cases, in many cases, they may try to actively sabotage or or harm the Russian state. So this was a difficult calculation Putin made, uh, if if indeed he was behind the killing. And uh, the the calculation he made was clearly that it's worth having Prigozhin killed, even if it does mean that that a number of Wagner troops will become very disaffected and may try to, to harm the Russian state. The uh, Washington Post just posted an editorial, uh, the headline, Putin plans for a long struggle in Ukraine. The U.S. needs to do the same. Are they right? Well, I, I, I don't think anybody was thinking at this point that, uh, that it, the war in Ukraine would be short. It's clearly, uh, it's clearly uh, making, it, it's clearly, Moving only in a in a gradual uh, or incremental fashion now in in favor of the Ukrainians, but but not very quickly. So uh, it's it's uh, it will continue not in a stalemated way, but in a very incremental way. And that's by the way uh, the original sin of this war that that Putin, because he's an autocrat, is surrounded by people who say what they think he wants to hear, and they said it would be cakewalk, even though. Many of them probably knew that this would be a difficult war, but they didn't dare to say so because then he might have punished them by demoting them or for being defeated. And that's the whole reason that Russia is in this mess and Ukraine is in this mess through no fault of its own and the world is in this mess. Let us uh, hope that uh, 
The U.S. does uh, prepare for a long struggle if necessary. Uh, Elizabeth Braw, thank you always for your perspective and uh, for your wisdom and knowledge. Coming back more uh, on what this means for U.S. foreign policy and for the debate tonight. Uh, that and more coming up on The Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. And one of the the reasons that it's worth looking carefully at what is going on in Russia, aside from the impact on the United States uh, and the impact on perhaps, and there's speculation uh, from a number of experts that this could be another turning point in the war that would work against Russia, in other words, for uh, Ukraine and the United States and the forces of decency and sanity. The um, uh, with all of that going on, you can appreciate even the uh, disturbing aspects of life here in the country. And one of those disturbing aspects, uh, uh, Rudy Giuliani, uh, today, President Trump is going there tomorrow after the debate, so he can upstage the debate, at least as some of the speculation. But Rudy Giuliani made his trip to the Fulton County Jail today to get his mugshot and to uh, surrender himself. And I believe he has a $100,000 bond that he has to post. And uh, he um, was surrounded by press uh, when he came out of the Fulton County Jail in Georgia and uh, and he tried to answer some questions and to give a statement. Uh, this is Mayor Giuliani. I'm being prosecuted for defending an American citizen who uh, I do as a lawyer. And five other lawyers are indicted. That should tell you right away that this is a an assault on our Constitution. Uh, Fannie Willis will go down in American history as having conducted one of the worst attacks on the American Constitution ever when this case is dismissed. She has uh, violated uh, people's First Amendment right to advocate uh, the government, to petition the government for grievances, like an election they believe was poorly conducted or falsely conducted. People have a right to believe that in America. Uh, Biden and the Biden state doesn't have a right to tell you what the truth is. Mr. Okay, uh, that's uh, Rudy Giuliani. The, uh, behind him, <laughs> there was a spectator who uh, was holding up a sign that said, uh, Clown Car Coup. 
uh, yeah, it's uh, what's so terribly sad about this is that uh, 19 people indicted for really what was a shameful attempt uh, to overdo the uh, overtake, overthrow the Georgia election. And uh, you think about the number of people who, in in fighting and advancing this big lie that Trump actually won the election in 2020, it's ruined people's lives. I mean, think of where Rudy Giuliani was uh, 10 years ago. He, uh, uh, he came out here to give a speech to a conservative organization uh, I I attended and said hello to the mayor who I had met before, and he was an American hero at that point. He was still America's mayor because he had done a fabulous job in New York. He was a very effective mayor for the city. He turned the city around in terms of uh, crime and just livability. He made real progress with that. And then again, he had... Uh, reacted heroically in rallying the city in the aftermath of 9-11. And now, uh, the, the, the state of uh, Rudy Giuliani, uh, the New York Times FBI searches Giuliani's home and office seizing phones and computers. They did not steal anything from him. The prosecutors obtained search warrants as part of an investigation into whether Rudy Giuliani broke lobbying laws when he was President Donald J. Trump's personal lawyer. You may remember that the first impeachment of President Trump had to do with a, uh, his conversation, his phone call with uh, Vladimir Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, where Trump wanted Zelensky to deliver dirt uh, on the Bidens uh, to uh, help uh, the ongoing campaign, because it was already clear to President Trump that Biden would be uh, one of his most formidable adversaries. In any event, the uh, uh, Rudy Giuliani conceded in a court filing uh, yesterday that he made, actually, this is uh, from May 19th. It's much earlier. And it's, uh, uh, the Rudy Giuliani conceded in a court filing uh, uh, May 19th that he made false statements about two Georgia 2020 election workers who were suing him over baseless claims of fraud that he made against them. Uh, Defendant Giuliani, for the purpose of litigation only, does not contest that to the extent the statements were statements of fact and otherwise actionable. Such actionable factual statements were false. <laughs> okay. Uh, Giuliani wrote in a signed stipulation that he said was intended to avoid unnecessary expenses in litigating what he believes to be unnecessary uh, disputes. This was the mother and daughter in Fulton County, Georgia, who were very specifically accused by Rudy Giuliani of uh, creating false ballots and stuffing false ballots. And, and he now acknowledges that those statements were false. Uh, there is also this news, uh, breaking news, the 
governor of North Dakota, Doug Burgum, who was one of the eight people who was supposed to be up there on the debate stage tonight in Milwaukee, was taken to an emergency room yesterday after suffering an injury while playing a game of pickup basketball with his staff, uh, making it unclear whether he will be able to participate tonight in the debate. Uh, he may need to be on crutches after his hospitalization. The uh, North Dakota and Republican presidential candidate Burgum suffered a high-grade tear of his Achilles tendon while playing a game of pickup basketball with his staff. Burgum, who's 67, will attend the candidate's walkthrough of the debate event site Wednesday afternoon, that's now, and then decide whether he's physically able to participate in the debate itself, the source said. Now, Doug Burgum was not skyrocketing in the polls. He was below 1% everywhere. He's a, a good guy and a very decent guy and probably would make a fine president. He's been a great governor of North Dakota. Uh, Burgum is focused on the debate, the Republican Party's first of the primary season, and understands that as much as he'd like to participate, he would have to walk on stage and stand behind a podium for two hours, a source said. He is a total cowboy and isn't phased by injuries and pain, said a member of his team. His disposition is focused and tough. We're going to see what happens at the walkthrough and throughout the day, the source told CNN. The governor is a lifelong athlete and is familiar with sports injuries, the source said. Uh, other candidates have privately reached out to ask how he's doing, according to the source. Republican Senator Tim Scott and uh, Vivek Ramaswamy posted on social media wishing the governor well. Um, is that going to... Uh, the one thing that, <laughs> that in he did not take his shirt off yesterday, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy... Uh, Posted, I think it was meant as a, uh, a humorous gesture, but he was playing tennis, bare-chested, and uh, it said, uh, I've been engaged in intense debate prep. The idea being that uh, he prepares for debate by uh, simply exerting himself and displaying his youth and vigor. Now, is youth and vigor an important aspect for a presidential candidate, or uh, are we going to be stuck with somebody who's 77 years old, that would be Mr. Trump, and somebody who's 80 years old already, would be 82 by the time he took the oath of office, if he does get elected again, that would be Joe Biden. Uh, we do deserve some youth and vigor, leadership, maybe even inspiration in this greatest nation.